This is the Incubator and the Neonatology Review Podcast. We are your study buddies for neonatology topics. I'm Dr. Ben Korsha. And I'm Dr. Daphne Yasova Barbo. Welcome. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. It's Tuesday. Daphna, are you still ready? Are you still excited about RTA? I'm still excited. I'm still excited. (laughs) (laughs) So um, today we're going to discuss type 1 and type 2 renal tubular acidosis. And they get kind of paired together because they're both a problem really with acidifying the urine, um, which as you recall, as you told us yesterday, is one of the major functions of the kidney. Um, And you reviewed some of these details yesterday. The metabolic acidosis that we see in renal tubular acidosis is a non-anion gap um, because it's a problem with bicarbonate loss as opposed to the buildup of additional acid. Um, In general, um, the GFR stays normal and these disorders do not progress to renal failure. However, like you mentioned yesterday, they can cause a whole host of other problems. Some of the clinical findings that we see, in addition to non-anion gap metabolic acidosis, um, there can be polyuria, and there's a number of reasons um, for that. They um, both have hypokalemia. Um, And so this is interesting because you'll tell us, uh, especially about an aldosterone-mediated RTA tomorrow. But because aldosterone is not affected in type 1 and type 2, um, any volume contraction that happens leads to increased aldosterone, because it works normal, normally, and increased potassium excretion. So we see hypokalemia um, in the blood. Hypokalemia also worsens the kidney's ability to concentrate urine. So it's kind of like a double whammy. And in addition, it can cause um, diffuse muscle weakness. And one of the most common signs we see in hypokalemia, which can accompany um, these RTAs, are constipation secondary to to muscle weakness um, related to the hypokalemia. Like you said, failure to thrive is one of the hallmarks, so RTA should really be evaluated um, in any failure to thrive workup. Um, The metabolic acidosis itself blunts the release of growth hormone, um, and um, having ongoing metabolic acidosis dysregulates the entire axis. In addition, metabolic acidosis itself causes decreased hunger or interest in feeding. And so that's why there's so much um, weight loss associated with renal tubular acidosis. So let's get into how they're different. Um, Type 1 or distal renal tubular acidosis or classic renal tubular acidosis, this was the first type described. So that's why it got named type 1. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it occurs in the distal tubule, so it can be a little bit confusing. You might anticipate that because it's type 1, it would be in the proximal tubule because that's what comes first. But remember... comes before 2. Exactly. Remember, as we go along, they were numbered really in the order in which they were discovered. So you just have to recall that type 1 is in the distal tubule. Of note, it's also the most severe form, and I'll talk about why in just a moment. But if you recall, the distal tubule is in charge of acidifying the urine. Um, That's the point in um, 
in the kidney where there is secretion um, of hydrogen atoms back into the urine. And in distal, or the type 1 RTA, the distal tubule is unable to secrete acid into the urine, moving into the collecting duct. And therefore, it presents with an inappropriately high urine pH or alkalotic urine, especially in the face of acidosis. So if there's acidosis in the blood, the kidney should be working double time um, to get rid of that extra acid um, and retain bicarbonate. So the fact that... Um, we have ongoing acidosis and we just can't keep um, any of those hydrogen ions um, that that is the cause of both the metabolic acidosis and um, why the these babies have really high urine pH. So that's one of the hallmarks of type 1. Could you say that again? Yeah. So it's, it's a problem in the distal tubule whose job is to secrete hydrogen um, ions back into the urine, acidify the urine. That's where mm -hmm. most of the acidification happens. And since that is not functional, um, no acidification happens and the urine is therefore very alkalotic, even I though see. we have ongoing metabolic acid. And so because the H plus ions cannot get into the lumen, they accumulate mm -hmm. in the cell, in the blood, mm -hmm. which means your urine doesn't see any acid coming in, That's right. which is why you said alkaline urine. And mm -hmm. then the blood part is acidotic because it now has to deal with all these H plus that were meant to sort of get out in right. through the lumen. Okay, got and it. And they didn't. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you talked to us about how potassium um, interacts with all of these ions. And so these affected infants also have low serum potassium concentration. Um, one, because the aldosterone works normally, um, but two, because um, normally um, we're able to retain the potassium. But here, potassium is lost in the urine as a cation replacement for hydrogen. So the kidney says, I can't get rid of the hydrogens. I'll just get rid of some other plus. Um, and that's why we lose uh, the potassium. Um, in addition, one of the hallmarks of type 1 is hypercalciuria, which puts the infants at risk for urinary stones. And in fact, all children with um, urinary stones should be worked up for renal tubular acidosis for this reason. Um, and here's one of my mnemonics. So one of my study buddies during board review came up with this. And it'll help you remember, if you, if you just can't remember what the electrolytes are doing, that type 1... O-N-E is the one that is most likely to have stones, S-T-O-N-E-S. So that's one way to, to, to remember. But if you can just recall um, that um, there's that much calciuria, um, it makes sense that they the baby would be at risk I, for stones. I will try to talk a little bit about why that happens tomorrow. Yes, and I, I, yes, fine. Okay. Like in terms of, in terms <laughs> I'll of. I'll talk the... about it a little bit too. Sure, sure. I was but just going to say, the, the cause of hypercalcemia is not completely clear, um, but likely results from a number of reasons, um, which I guess maybe you will also talk about, but um, increased calcium release from the bone as a buffer for the acidosis. Um, in addition, we have downregulation of calcium transport proteins, um, and like you told us about the the um, 
sodium-calcium exchange, there's high distal sodium delivery leading to more calcium excretion. So type 1, lots of hypercalciuria at risk for stones. Mm-hmm. Treatment um, for type 1 involves bicarbonate administration. I did want to talk a little bit about the kind of genetics. So it can be associated with a number of disorders throughout a lifetime, including autoimmune diseases like Sjogren's, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, and more common in babies and children, primary hyperparathyroidism as well as hypothyroidism. It can be induced by a number of medications like amphotericin B, lithium, trimethoprim, NSAIDs, and foscarnet. Um, But for our purposes, in infants and children, single gene defects should be considered. And there are some genetic mutations that code um, for these proteins that are also found in the ear. So some children who have type 1 RTA also have sensorineural sensorineural hearing loss. Um, So another way to work backwards, um, hearing loss is still pretty uncommon in the neonatal period. So if you have a baby with hearing loss and um, looking for RTA, something else we should be doing. So if they have kidney stones and hearing loss. Ooh, yeah. Boom. Slam dunk. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. So now we'll talk about why type 2 or proximal RTA is a little bit different. So remember, it was discovered after type 1, even though it's in the proximal tubule. So they worked backwards. So this type of RTA results from a a reduced threshold for bicarbonate reabsorption in the proximal tubule down to about 15 MEQs per liter. So what that means is that um, the proximal tubule, like you told us, its job is to reabsorb um, bicarbonate. But because the threshold has been kind of reset, the proximal tubule reabsorbs less bicarbonate ions, leading to this significant urinary bicarbonate loss. So initially, this leads to a high urine pH, but the kidney's pretty smart. And with time, the kidney can compensate for this. And that's why type 2 RTAs um, don't tend to be as severe as type 1 RTAs, because since the urine problem is in the proximal tubule, the kidney still tries to fix the problem in the distal tubule. So it was not able to reabsorb um, all of this bicarbonate. So um, we have a high uh, urine pH initially, but since the distal tubule continues to work, um, it continues to acidify the urine, which is the problem in type 1, but you don't have that problem in type 2. So the kidney helps maintain the balance because the urine still goes to the distal tubule. It functions correctly. It acidifies the urine by secreting the hydrogen ions. And eventually, over time, these babies have a urine pH that um, is is quite acidotic, less than 5.5. Got it? I think that makes sense, right? You're saying basically yeah. that the threshold in the proximal tubule is is lowered, or mm-hmm. I guess it's it's um, it's it's a reduced renal bicarbonate reabsorption threshold, right. which means that the th- the bicarbonate is coming through the proximal tubule, and it's almost like the proximal tubule is ignoring the bicarbonate that's in the lumen, and just yeah, the sensors are off, and just a bit like uh, not I have nothing, no issues with the TSA, but like. 
uh, a TSA officer that would just let everybody through. Be like, all right, you let go everybody through. through. Yeah, it <laughs> um, didn't catch all those uh, water bottles in the. That, yeah, that's right. And but you will not see what you described earlier with mm. RTA type one, which is the alkaline aspect of the urine, because the kidney right. gets gets a second chance at acidifying the urine distally, exactly. and that part still works. Exactly. All right. Perfect. Now, this gets to the point where it's a little confusing. Um, why do we not see hypercalciuria in um, in type 2? So we don't see hypercalciuria. And so thusly, babies with type 2 are not really predisposed for increased stones. Um, and the reason for that is citrate normally, physiologically, it binds calcium and prevents it from precipitating into calcium oxalate or calcium phosphate. And because, like I told you, the urine is still very alkaline as it moves through um, uh, the nephron uh, because it has all of that bicarbonate in it that didn't um, get uh, reabsorbed um, until it reaches the distal tubule where it can be acidified. Um, that alkaline urine decreases citrate reabsorption. And so having increased urinary citrate likely helps prevent stone formation. So there's less hypercalciuria and the alkaline urine um, in within the nephron, right? So it's not alkaline at the end product once it gets to the distal nephron, but because it's alkaline within the nephron, um, citrate helps prevent stone formation. Mm -hmm. So regarding the genetics for type 2, um, the mutation, pretty much the sole mutation implicated in type 2 is the sodium bicarbonate co-transporter 1. Um, and unlike type 1, where we see sensorineural hearing loss, children with type 2, because of uh, mutation in the sodium bicarbonate co-transporter, have ocular manifestations like cataracts and glaucoma. But in general, isolated type 2, this mutation is very rare. It's much more common to see this type 2 uh, kind of phenotype as part of the Fanconi syndrome, which is characterized by a more global dysfunction leading to hypophosphatemia, glycosuria, proteinuria, and amino aciduria. It can also be accompanied, uh, it can also accompany other syndromes and caused by a number of medications as well. But in addition, and even more commonly, this is what we, uh, common, we see in a sort of functional renal immaturity in neonates. So it's not uncommon for term infants to have kind of a normal, mild RTA with serum bicarbonate concentrations that instead of being, you know, 25, it's down to 20 to 24 MEQs per liter. And this is exacerbated in preterm infants, which may have values as low as 15 MEQs per liter. Um, this improves with postnatal age and ongoing kidney maturity, but can be particularly protracted in the very preterm neonate. So these are these babies who are doing well, and all of a sudden you're weaning them off TPN to full feeds, and they just have this ongoing metabolic acidosis. And after you've worked up all of the scary things um, from you know the acute emergent things related to metabolic acidosis, um, and you you know, confirm it's non-anion gap and um, the, kid, the baby's otherwise well, um, it, and you can do the urine studies, um, it's likely this kind of um, functional renal tubular acidosis. 
So I have another study tip for you. Um, okay. So you can remember this is what happens in preemie babies, mm-hmm. um, which feels very proximal or near dear to us. That's how I remember yes. that <laughs> the preterm baby um, has this proximal um renal tubular acidosis. I also like to remember that there's an X in proximal, which is like two and intersecting lines. Therefore, proximal is type two. Oh my God, you're going, you're going deep for this. <laughs> I just, if you, if you feel like, you know what, the physiology is too much. I just got to remember a few things. Then at least you remember those things. That's fair enough. <laughs> uh, like in type one, the treatment for type two is also bicarbonate administration. So, that there was you very helpful. Yeah, that was actually very helpful. Thank you, Daphna. This this is I'm sure I'm sure it clarifies a lot of things. Things one more question for you if you don't mind. The the we, we said that in type one the potassium levels, uh the serum, the plasma potassium levels were low. Um is that also the case in type two RTA? Yes. Um, so there's still um, excretion of potassium ions. So you would see high urinary potassium. Um, but um, hypokalemia in the blood. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Daphna. Then um, we will reconvene tomorrow Sounds and good. talk about type three, type four, and maybe maybe I'll have some some teaching points left from um, from my calcium discussion. Mm-hmm. Please. Uh, okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Incubator and Neonatology Review Podcast. If you like our show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to reach out to Daphna and I via email by sending your messages to nicupodcast at gmail.com. You can also message the show on Twitter at NICUPodcast. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care practitioner. Thank you.